Hello, everyone. Welcome to Babel, a podcast and video show where we conduct interviews with authors, creatives, and artists who you may or may not have heard of before. In these interviews, we babble about their work and experiences in the creative industries, with a particular focus on their often unpredictable creative journeys. Babel wants to highlight the interdisciplinary nature of the arts, how they flow into one another, and hopefully inspire you to follow in your own creative journey. everyone and welcome back to Babel. I'm Megan Thomas and today I'll be chatting with Lorraine Brown, a debut novelist whose book Uncoupling is out now. It is a kind of modern love story that everybody needs to read right now and I'm very excited for you to all get a chance to read it. Hi Lorraine, how are you? Hi, good thank you. How are you? I'm very well thanks. It's actually a bit sunny today so <laughs> I've, I've been in the gloomy snow for a while so yeah, it's quite nice. It's not that sunny here. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you based? I'm in London, North London. Amazing. And well, so yeah, how's this? How's this all been for you? Publishing a book is kind of quite stressful, with lots of unexpected turns at the best of times. So when you've got a pandemic to boost your debut along, it must be quite strange. Yeah, it is strange. I'm finding this lockdown easier than the last one. I guess I don't know why. I guess yeah I think we're all just a bit used to it now yeah. aren't we <laughs> yeah exactly and maybe there's some chink of light at the end of the tunnel yeah. and I'm very much get excited about you know my, my book launch and I had a moment maybe a few weeks ago where I was kind of feeling a bit flat and a bit sort of oh no I'm not going to see it at a bookshop and I'm not going to go out for you know, celebratory dinners and I'm not going to have a book party yeah. as such but then you know got to put it in perspective haven't you and I am actually having a launch event um on zoom which will be fun I'm sure it'll still be lovely and I'll get to see my book at some point in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was recently um, chatting to Nima Shah, who's also got a debut coming out, and on the same day as your book, actually, and she was saying how at least with kind of the lack of actual travel for tours, you've got higher energy for all the different events that you'll be doing because you're not on and off trains getting getting around the country for your different launches and and things like that. Yeah, that's it. Actually, I know Nima. We're in a, a debut 21 group together. And I think she mentioned, I, I had to listen to, to her um, podcast, and I think she mentioned, didn't she, that she was finding that really supportive, that idea of sort of meeting other authors in the same situation, catching up, yeah. you know, a couple of times a month on Zoom. It's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like the kind of support bubble you need with something so big, but with kind of not that many people to share with if everyone's at home. And so how long have you been writing Uncoupling? And did any of the writing happen during the lockdown, the first lockdown at least? Yeah, I, so I started it a long time ago, 2015. And I entered a competition called the Bath Novel Award. And I hadn't finished the book. I'd written about 40,000 words. So I sent those, I think I said I should send maybe one chapter or an opening extract of. And I knew that if you got long listed for the award, you have to have the full manuscript. And I didn't for a minute think I was going to get long listed, but I thought, well, you know, just in case, I suppose I better, you know, push forward and try and get it done, give me some kind of impetus. So I pushed forward, but I didn't get it done. And then I was long listed by some miracle. <laughs> it was so exciting. It was probably the first, you know, that was the first sense I had of, well, maybe I can do this. You know, I'm in with a chance, maybe I can write a little bit. But then I had a month to finish the whole manuscript. So it was lots of kind of, yeah, 
stressful late nights and I had a day job at the time and I was I had a youngish child who was probably yeah about three at the time so yeah it was, it was quite stressful um but I got it in with one minute to spare literally I think I sent up at 11 59 p.m the deadline was midnight. and you know what a surprise I didn't get shortlisted because quite frankly it was a first draft but you know that set me off on a, on a path of thinking you know there's something here I can I can do this absolutely and just that um then pressure to do it in that time means that once you have a draft, there's so much work you can do. And so, yes, kind of a relief to then have something to work from after that. Yeah. So if I read correctly, you finished your first book in 2014. So that's obviously not uncoupling then. No. What was that? (laughs) That was, yeah. So that was something I started, So I think 2012, I did um, a writing course at Birkbeck, which is part of the University of London. And it was like one evening a week or something. And it was a novel writing module. So we started writing a novel and I sort of continued after after the course. We formed like a writing group. And that book got, you know, a few little snippets of positive feedback from agents. But ultimately it was rejected by about 25 agents. And they, any feedback I did get pretty much did the same thing, which is that you can write, but this, you know, this kind of story is, is difficult to sell. There's not enough of a hook. And I didn't really know what a hook was at that time. Yeah. So I mean, a hook, how do I write? How do I come up with a hook? So when I sort of put that aside and started writing properly in 2015, I thought I thought a bit more about this hook and read up about it. And because I kind of had this kind of commercial head on because I had this day job that I wasn't enjoying at all. And I knew that I wanted to change my career. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to spend years writing a novel that then wasn't going to be published. I wanted to get it published and I wanted to change my career and change my life, really. So... Yeah, I really put a lot of thought into into that. Mm, and it must be so difficult trying to be true to kind of creativity and the art of it, and then actually being realistic and saying, "Well, I, yeah, I don't want to write something no one reads." <laughs> so yeah, it is important to have that commercial hat on while you're doing it. Yeah, I think so. I was really interested to see that uncoupling when it's going to be published in the US is going to be called the Paris Connection instead. Who makes those kinds of decisions and what was your original title? Yeah, so my original title was The Paris Train. That's what I submitted it to, um, you know, various competitions and, and to agents. But I got my UK deal and my US deal at around the same time. So the editors were working together on the book, which was you know, amazing. But there was obviously a lot more kind of back and forth than there might usually be, especially about the title. And I think the Americans felt that they wanted to keep Paris in the title because they felt that really appealed to American readers, but they didn't like the Paris train because I think they, they, they thought it had some kind of connotation with like a saga, more of a historical novel. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> eventually after much back and forth, we came up with the Paris connection. Yeah, that's really interesting uh, to think about as well with in terms of kind of the American reader not having the Paris train being a really obvious thing for people in Europe who would hop on a train to to Paris is kind of less relatable to an American audience. Yeah, I know. You don't, you don't think about those things, do you? And also, oh, no. uncoupling isn't, I don't think, something they're familiar with in terms of, because obviously here it has the kind of meaning of the relationship uncoupling, but also the train uncoupling. But I don't think that's something that's sort of... No, absolutely. So you've touched on it um, now already briefly, but I'd love to know kind of about that path from young girl going into the world and debut author and kind of what's happened in between in your your journey to this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's been a long journey and I feel like 
And I look at my CV, I just think, oh my God, it's literally all over the place. <laughs> I was a young girl. I grew up in this kind of small suburban town, which was, I, I don't know, I found it difficult. I found it very boring. I didn't feel, I didn't particularly connected to it. But it was just outside London, so I'd very much be, as soon as I was old enough, going into London all the time, and then I'd be kind of surrounded by excitement and fashion and music. And I was really excited by fashion, so I went to fashion college when I first left school and actually did fashion writing, fashion journalism. That was probably my first foray into writing, but obviously in a more kind of journalistic way. And I worked on magazines for a while. Well, that was cool. That was kind of very glamorous at that time. I don't know if it's probably not like that now, but, you know, I got to fly to Morocco on a shoot. And I don't know. <laughs> All these exciting <laughs> things. It was really very cool. And I used to go home to my mum and dad's in my little town, and that was a very different kind of life. Um, did that for a while, and then I decided that I had, I'd always had this dream of being an actor but I've never really had the guts to try so I started doing some acting lessons in the evenings really loved it as much as I thought I would and so um, I went to drama school for a year which was um interesting <laughs> oh god it's so tough I was thinking why should I put myself through that it was just so hard and you know just get criticized all the time like to the point where you're just crying it sounds a bit dramatic but everybody was just crying and storming out and not feeling they could do it and sobbing I was just, I just kind of think, why does it have to be that way? Um, so I came out there and tried for about seven years to be an actor. Went to LA for a couple of months. Um, that was fun as well. But, you know, it never really took off. There's obviously a lot of rejection there as well. Sounds like the perfect training ground for an yeah, author. I, <laughs> Learn how to be rejected at drama school and then it won't be as painful. Yeah, when you. Well, that's what I thought, but somehow it did still feel as painful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then I was basically temping doing lots of secretarial jobs and then eventually thought right okay I've got no money I'm going to have to take a permanent job and then I have to hope that something will happen with my acting and I'll be able to be free of that so I took this job working as a school secretary in Hampstead in London and um I I was you know it's fine for a while but you know I was just like this is not what I want to do with my life what else can I do that's creative that you know will give me that kind of joy I started thinking about writing and I sort of thought to myself that's as ridiculous as being an actor you know that's not going to work it's very difficult but I gave it a go and I started classes and I started writing and yeah I'm so glad I did because you know at least with writing you can do it on your own in your group mm-hmm. you know with acting it's very much you've got to be casting something haven't you? It's, it's more absolutely important. and you can do it during a pandemic so yeah. who knew that would be an element that would be factoring in yeah and so you've done all these things. I think I even read that you were a plastic surgeon's assistant or you worked in an office with a plastic surgeon. Yes. So the scope is really quite large. <laughs> Do you think that the scope of experience that you've had filters into your fiction? Yeah, I mean, I hope it does. Yeah. Certainly the stuff about being a secretary and a PA, I feel has come through in my work a lot in terms of kind of career dissatisfaction. And, you know, it just wasn't for me, I suppose. And it's not that, you know, the job itself was bad, but just, you know, the dynamics of working in an office, that's something else that I'm really interested in, you know, the sort of competition, the sort of hierarchy, gossip, and all that all that side of things. Uh, you know, that's something that I've really tried to bring a little bit into uncoupling, but in, into my next book as well. Mm. Well, yeah, it, so it does seem like your approach to things is, I don't want to do this anymore, so I'll learn how to do the thing that I do want to do. It's kind of like, I'd like to be an actor. Let's go to drama school. I'd like to be a writer. I'm going to do a creative writing course. So it's a really good approach 
approach to fixing things. So many people just sit wishing they'd done other stuff, mm. being really proactive with that. Yeah, I think so. Well, the downside of that is that, you know, I had no money for a long time. So my friends that, you know, went to university, then got the job and sort of worked through, you know, through the ranks. So when I was sort of, yeah, at the point where I was going out all the time, you know, I'd never have any money and they'd have money clothes and you know go on nice holidays and so yeah that was the downside of it I suppose but you know always I had that in my head I've got to get to somewhere where I'm going to feel fulfilled and love what I'm doing. So then in 2018 you became a mentee on the Penguin Random House Right Now program could you tell me a little bit about what that is and what your experience of it was? Mm, Yeah so it's a scheme they run um, aimed at writers that are currently underrepresented in the publishing industry. And I applied again with a sort of opening extract of the book. And then they sort of, first of all, invite 150 people to come to like a day. Um, and it was at the Strand, at Penguin's main offices. So that was really exciting. And I was sitting on a table with kind of editors and other writers. And we sort of met various publishing people and had talks. That was almost enough for me. I didn't think I'd get past that point. And then the next point was they shortlisted some people and because I went through stages and eventually I got chosen to be one of the 11 mentees, which was, again, another point at which I thought, OK, maybe I can do this. I can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I was sort of matched with an editor a year and we worked together on the manuscript and uncoupling. And then also in between that times when we get to meet, meet up with, with the other authors and kind of motivational talks and industry chat. So, yeah, it really felt really exciting and, and supportive. And have you always been writing books with kind of romantic plots? I don't want to necessarily call it a romance. I think it's kind of ends up typecasting it into a genre, which it's not. It's kind of a modern, it's 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 just fiction, really. And there's a romantic plot line. Mm. But I wonder, you said from a young girl in an interview that I read that you were always reading the Sweet Dream series and loving novels about romance. And do you feel like that's something that you actively try and put into your books? Yeah, I mean, it didn't really feel like a... Um... A choice, I suppose. When I thought about writing a book when I was on that course in the book that I mentioned, I sort of knew that I wanted to write about relationships. Mm. And I didn't really have it in my head then about genre, I suppose. I mean, uncoupling is marketed very much as a rom-com. And obviously that, that sort of genre thing doesn't really come to much later, does it? I don't think when you start out as a writer, you think about what genre your book might be in. Um, and, you know, my favourite books of all time are all love stories. So, for example, One Day by David Nichols, The Girl with a Pearl Earring, uh, Normal People. All you know, they're, they're the books that I love, and they're all about really, you know, a relationship. Or so mm. that's all. And it seems like writers never really go into the writing process. It seems like a marketing thing that it becomes a genre or how it gets sold is kind of none of your business, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've written the book, and you can you can sell it how you think it'll sell. Yeah, that's right. I think you've just got to write what you like like writing. Although you know, saying that. When I originally finished uncoupling, and I sort of was finishing up on the Penguin Random House scheme, and I started sending it out to agents, I was still getting a lot of rejections. Mm. So I had to kind of rethink, what, you know, what's going wrong here? And actually, what was going wrong was it wasn't quite fitting into a genre. Mm. So what I had to do, and what they suggested I, I do, was to read a lot of romantic comedy. But I think at the time, Beth O'Leary's The Flat Share was just big, it was really big, so you know, reading things like that to see what 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 she was doing that I wasn't doing. And it really clicked in my head and I did another draft and that's when um, I started getting interest from agents. So I think, you know, 
when you get to a certain point, maybe you do need to start thinking about where it fits in the market. Yeah, well, this kind of theme of rejection is a really interesting one because <laughs> it's ultimately you're never really fully prepared for it. It seems you can't you can't expect you you just don't know what the level to which authors are dealing with it until until you're doing it. I assume based on based on what people have said. And I wonder how you kept writing, how you kept doing it, how you kept doing the edits when faced with so much of this rejection. Mm. Um, I think I'd learned from, you know, from doing the acting as well, that it would, that feeling would pass. You know, it didn't feel like a bit like, I don't know, I was used to think when I got a rejection for the book or for a role, that it would feel like I would feel heartbroken, like a sort of end of a relationship or something. It was that sort of feeling, but I sort of knew it wouldn't last very long. Yeah. It maybe last a day or two, and so I think I just got to the point with the book where I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not going to feel great for another couple of days, and I'd maybe try and distract myself by watching know, some nice TV or having. <laughs> well, I thought you know, just get through those two days, and then I knew I'd feel better, and then I would just get back to it, see what I could learn from it, and just push forward. Basically, hmm. I suppose it's also really reassuring, re- just acknowledging if you think of all the wonderful books you've read and how there's actually there's a finite number that can be published by a publisher per year it can sometimes completely be a it's not you it's it's not me it's you (laughs) um situation with that kind of thing it's not that your book's not good it's just that it's not right for the market at that time or someone else is doing something kind of similar or it could be it could be so many things definitely and I think when I first started submitting my first book in I guess 2012-2013 I don't think romantic comedy was was very popular I think that was around the time that psychological thriller was just a bit of Thinking over, and so you know, perhaps if I'd submitted uncoupling them, it, that wouldn't have been picked up either. You know, it's there's a lot about timing as well, as you say. Yeah, and certainly now I think the, I think uncoupling's hitting the market at a really wonderful time because everyone can just feel it's it is feel good. It's but not not necessarily in a, it's, it's very de- deep in terms of relationships and what's going on, but it also just it makes you kind of forget that you're stuck at home in a pandemic and in mm. lockdown and and so yeah I think everyone really enjoy that yeah, and <laughs> you, yeah you mentioned that you're working on a new a new a next book what what is it can you tell us about it yeah sure um well I'm still at very early stages of it so I, I basically started writing it I think when I guess around about the first lockdown spring time and I took a long time to plan it this time which is something I didn't do with uncoupling. Uncoupling took me a long time to write, I think, because I didn't really plan it that carefully and therefore I had to, to redraft about a hundred times. But with this, I thought, right, I'm going to sit down and plan it really carefully. And luckily at that time, there were loads of, you know, as a reaction to lockdown, lots of online events and festivals. And so I sort of joined up to all of those. And that was really motivating, you know, especially stuff on plotting. I did a whole course with Save the Cat, you know, that, um, that screenwriting book. Um, and it, it was sort of really late at night because it was broadcast from America so I did that and you know just really carefully plotted the whole thing and then when my little boy went back to school briefly he went back in July I started writing um, the main manuscript and I just got it done really quickly actually because I planned it so carefully so it's a, a very different experience so now I've just got my first um, sort of edit back from my editor and I'm kind of restructuring bits of it and that kind of thing but it's, it's basically set in London, which I don't know. I felt like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not very good at writing about places that I can't sort of, 
that I've never been to or that I can't go to. When I was writing Uncoupling, even though I'd been to Paris and Amsterdam before, I, I very much felt like I needed to go back and picture these characters in those places. And so with this book, I just thought, well, okay, well, I can't go anywhere. And actually, I really want to write a book about London because it means a lot to me. I really love it. I think it's, you know, it's an exciting place to be and to write yeah. about. So I set it in a London apartment block and it's about two people who live opposite each other and have their own things going on and don't realise that actually what they need is each other. Mm, that, sounds, that sounds lovely. And it just sounds like something that gives you a, a more real side of London as well. I find that a lot of the stuff that you do read about London is um, not just people who live there, which there are plenty of. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I want it to be kind of, I want to capture the kind of, because I live in a block of flats and it's so diverse in terms of who lives here. And I kind of wanted to capture that in my story, you know, all the different types of people that you meet from all different places and different situations. Mm. Well, so were you able to do a kind of research trip to Paris while you were writing? Yes, I was, which was great. I just went for the day twice. And that's a great thing about living in London. You can just get on the Eurostar quickly and you can just go for the day. Um, but obviously, yeah, it's tiring. <laughs> just walking around all day. But yes, right, just stop for a glass of wine here or sort <laughs> of cake here. And then just found all these little kind of hidden places because... Um, my male protagonist, Leo, is from Paris. I sort of wanted to feel very authentic in, in terms of the places he would be taking Anna to. I thought that, actually, that was funny because originally I wrote it like that, but then um, my American editor said to me that she felt that American readers would also like to see some of the more quintessential Paris. So then I had to go back to Paris again <laughs> to think about, okay, what can I do around the Eiffel Tower? What can I do on the Champs-Élysées? Let's get the Seine in. And um, yeah. Now it's a bit of a mixture of touristy parts and more yeah. parts. Well, that relationship between those two characters does suit that because he's both trying to show her the hidden gems of Paris while also making her love the the things that make Paris so incredible, like the yeah, like the different monuments and the yeah, all the beautiful sights. And you really have given us such a, I did feel like I'd had a little trip to Paris, despite the fact <laughs> that I was actually <laughs> tucked up in bed in Sussex. So. No, I'm desperate to go back. And actually, having gone back to the Eiffel Tower, because it's one of those things that you just take part of, isn't it? You see it so often on images mm. or, you know, TV, whatever. Um, but when I went back to the Eiffel Tower with Anna and Leo in mind and thinking about what could happen to them there, I just kind of appreciated how stunning it is. And, you know, I don't know, it felt really magical, which it hadn't done when I'd seen it before. Yeah. Well, so what is psychodynamic counselling, which um, you have a diploma in? Yeah, so that was actually interesting. Psychodynamic counselling is basically, I guess it has its roots in psychoanalysis. So it's thinking about bringing the unconscious into the conscious. So we'll talk a lot about somebody's childhood, the relationship with their parents, how that's impacted, how they are now in relationships. They react to conflict, their behaviours, that kind of thing. So I was training for that at the exactly the same time as writing Uncoupling, which again brought an element of stress to my life because <laughs> really busy. But on the other hand, everything I was learning on my course, it was just amazing. So it enabled me to go back and write, you know, do a redraft and add in so many more layers, you know, to what was happening with Hannah and why she was in these relationships and, and what she might be yeah. doing. It's kind of like a crash course in how to write a three-dimensional character, isn't it? It really Just... is. And I actually, <laughs> one of my feedback for my first novel was that it didn't feel three-dimensional. And so it was just a very, you know, useful for me that I was doing this course that, yeah, as you say, it just naturally fed in. Mm. 
Well, wonderful. It's been so great to chat to you and kind of hear the making of Uncoupling because I so enjoyed reading it. And thank you for coming on today. The book is published today, the 18th of February. And we hope everybody goes straight out after listening to this interview and buys a copy and then tells us what they think because we want to know. <laughs> thank you so much again, Lorraine, for coming on and thanks to our audience for listening. Bye. Hi there. Thank you for tuning into Babel today. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the start, we're so happy to have you and hope you enjoy the arts and literature interviews available. This is a free platform to project the voices of those starting out and those who've spent years journeying to this point in their career. From the new to the renowned, the 60-year-old debut novelist to the 20-year-old musician, we want to babble with everyone. So get in touch if this is you or if you'd like to do some interviewing yourself. You'll find us on Twitter at babbleshow underscore, on Instagram at babbleshow, and on www.babbleshow.com.